Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And we have a special guest on our couch today. His name is Dave, and he runs a high-performance facility specifically for hockey players. And uh, it's more toward, more geared towards um, youth, correct? Yes. Right on. And Amanda is also hanging out with us today. Amanda, why don't you uh, do your thing? All right. Hey, everyone. It's Amanda. And Mark has already introduced Dave, uh, who is the co-founder of of CHA High Performance, which has actually only been in, in existence for one month, but they are an extension of uh, Central Hockey Academy. So as Mark said, their focus is on youth. Uh, I think he said his youngest athletes are nine. Yep. And they basically go to Dave and his partner to um, learn proper movement patterns and to get uh, training programs developed so that they're not going to run into problems and injuries on the ice now or later in their hockey career. So thanks for coming in and hanging out on the couch, Dave. Thanks for having me. All right. Place I want to start is uh, with you because you mentioned to me off mic that you're not a kinesiologist. You're not a movement specialist per se. That's more of your business partner's area of expertise, Mm -hmm. Uh, but you're a hockey player. So when you were nine, 10, whatever, actually, how young were you when you started playing hockey? I was five years old. I started skating at three. And started playing hockey at five. Amazing. Did did you always know you wanted to do that or were your parents athletic people? My dad played football. My mom was a cheerleader and played volleyball. But as I grew up, I was playing soccer and hockey. And eventually I picked hockey and got rid of soccer completely. Okay. How was your skating ability at three? And I mean, the reason why I'm asking, I've got a, I got a daughter. She's turning five in the summer and we had her on the ice and she's fucking horrible. (laughs) (laughs) And we put her in lessons and it was still fucking horrible. I wouldn't say she was horrible. Was she horrible. is cautious. I mean, mm-hmm. she wasn't falling all over the place, but she also was never the first one down the ice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, my skating's always been something that came naturally. Yeah. I th- my parents put me in figure skating to start. Yeah. I didn't have a stick in my hand for the first two years. So that's like the biggest thing that I've learned is when you learn to skate properly, then you can progress to the sport. Yeah, but yeah. for me, it was natural. Other uh, things, not so much. So there's no chance that she's going to be a hockey player no. or a figure skater. No, probably saying. not. <laughs> okay. But we are Canadian. This is a very Canadian episode we're doing. I think that um, learning to skate is important. I don't care if she's the best, but I think being comfortable on the ice is important. It's just, I don't know, mm-hmm. such a Canadian thing. We should all know how to skate. You don't skate. No. no. <laughs> all right. So uh, when you were as young as five, six, whatever it was, did you have professional trainers like, or were you just sort of playing recreational hockey? At that age, I had nothing and I knew none of the sorts. I didn't start actually going to a professional, not a professional gym, but like a high performance organized gym until I was 13. It was in Brampton. It was called Varsity. How different was that from what you had been doing? It was, it was very different. I had never learned how to lift weights besides doing push-ups and sit-ups and everything was organized. It was very professional. There was older athletes in there. The trainers were very on point. They almost didn't let me train my first day because I showed up in a tank top and you needed sleeves. Mm. So I was a 13-year-old just getting there in a new group. I was traumatized because I had to work out with no sleeves as the only kid in the gym. I learned my lesson real quick. It was it was it was interesting to see how that worked. Why can't you work out in a tank top? I'm actually like genuinely asking this question. I've never been in any kind of like competitive <laughs> sports. Why not the tank top? There is no reason at all. It just looks more professional when everyone in there has a t-shirt on and proper training shorts. It's almost like you showing up in a at a bank as a new as a new analyst and you're wearing a tank top, a, a tank top, <laughs> <laughs> a, a lower track suit, a, a, tra- a polo shirt when everyone's got a full on suit and tie. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so once you started doing this at 13, did you immediately see how important it was to ha- to be training properly versus just getting on the ice every week and doing your own thing? Yeah, hundred percent. I saw I saw results myself, and then my coaches saw it when I went to when I started the season. So I knew after that summer I had to do some sort of training each and every year. And this training facility that you are co-founder of, you guys are year round. For now, we're April to August is our main monthly programs where kids come in, um, depending on the on the package they pick. In the off season, we haven't decided just yet. But we're thinking we're going to keep things going maybe once or twice a week for kids that want to keep working out during their hockey season. Cool. Tell us about your facility. So we're located just around Stockyards, around the High Park area, St. Clair and Runnymede. And our gym is inside George Bell Arena. So mm. it's a very old rink. Uh, the Toronto Marlies, the AHL team, used to play there like way, way back in the day. It's a small facility. We have about 300 square feet of turf, a few racks, some some dumbbells and weights, a shooting stick handling pad. And there's even a, a mini stick room 
for little kids to play. I don't know if you know what mini sticks are. No, but it sounds cute. <laughs> it's literally what it what you think it is. It's a mini stick. The stick's about half the size or three or a quarter of the size of a real stick. You play on your knees in a little carpeted area oh, and the cute. nets are, are smaller. It's a it's a great time. So this um, Central Hockey Academy, I assume because you almost it seemed like you uh, you nodded knowingly when I said Central Hockey Academy. Is this like a, a big hockey school? Like, should I know what CHA is? <laughs> I'd say it's the biggest hockey school in, in the Midtown Toronto area. The founder of that, Neil Doctorow, he's a, he's a great guy. He started it a few years back and it's been growing ever since because most hockey hockey schools are located on the outside of the GTA okay. or in Vaughan and that nothing in, in downtown Midtown Toronto is really available. So he found that niche. Okay, this is going to be a, maybe a very stupid question, <laughs> but what is it that the kids are getting by coming to CHA High Performance that they're not already getting at Central Hockey Academy? So Central Hockey Academy doesn't have an off-season program. Okay, so that's you're filling in that gap. So they would be at the hockey school during hockey season and then off season, that's where you guys step in and continue on with the training. Yeah, it all depends because Central Hockey Academy, they run summer camps and programs, but we're, we do more of a, an individualized focus and a more, I guess, when you look at Central Hockey Academy, they have kids as young as five and some of them are learning to skate. Some of them are lower level. Our program is geared towards kids that are looking to jump to the next level, kids that already know how to play the game and want to up their game by doing extra in the offseason. So I guess the next logical question is, how did you and your business partner, who's actually, I don't know if I ever knew his name. His name is also Dave. All right. David Berta. How did you, Dave and Dave, get affiliated with them? How did this all come together? So I met other Dave last July through a mutual friend. He worked at Central Hockey Academy just as an instructor, introduced each other to ourselves, and we were both trying out for the same pro teams and that started in October. So we skated together throughout the summer. And then one day we went to the rink and, and saw the, the space. It was a very old, dingy gym that hadn't really been touched in a while. And we thought maybe like we can we can do something with this. We can make it a bigger space. We can start a full program because we have Neil, the head of, of the hockey school, who has all these connections. And through that, we could build a client base and do that. So once we went to camp, we started putting a plan together, came back at Christmas, proposed it to him. He accepted. And then from January all the way till the start of April. We were coordinating and building up the gym and getting our client base. I'm a parent. Can you walk me through, like you said, it's very individualized, what you would do with a kid coming to you? Like what what would it be like? How how often are they coming and working out with you guys? Like how are you designing programs for them? We offer two types of programs. One we call the full and the other is the light. Full program, they're allowed four workouts per week and they get one on-ice session per week. So we also do on-ice as well as the off-ice. The light is two workouts a week and one on ice. It's more for kids that play a million sports in the summer that don't have enough time. So that's the first part. Once they pick that, on their first day, they come in and we do a mobility screen. Dave Berta runs through that for the most part and I help him out. The test is an, uh, an overhead squat, hold a dowel in your hand, and we assess the way their feet move, their knees, their hips, if their shoulders are tucked back, all those all those points of movement to see how, how their bodies move and how it responds to such a difficult, oh, I, I personally think it's difficult, a difficult movement like the overhead squat. Once we see their mobility, we build their program based off of that. When you're assessing mobility with that overhead squat, are you guys using software, are you using video, or are you just eyeballing? We're eyeballing. Work? So yeah. we, we get them to do multiple squats. Starts with an overhead squat. Yeah. If they can do that perfectly, we note, them, we note that down and we build their program. If they can't do that, we make it into a different progression. So instead of overhead, they hold the stick in front of them or the dowel in front of them. They can't do that. We lift their ankles up to take out that range of motion. And then we continue through the other progressive tests where you might do a lunge to see how far their ankle might move forward or right. if they can press straight in the air to check their shoulders. So we test all the different points. Tell us why this is going to be so important. I mean, we already have a pretty good idea, but I, let's hear it from you guys. Why is a certain type of mobility going to help excel a young athlete? So from personal experience, I believe from a guy who wasn't mobile for the majority of his hockey career and just started becoming mobile like two years ago, if, if you can't move properly on the ice, those little movements not only slow you down and make you, I guess, less powerful, but they make you more susceptible to injury. Mm -hmm. And for a kid who is learning how to control their bodies, some of them come in with feet pointing out, knees knocking together, or even their backs rounded. If they don't understand or know how to be aware of their body yet, it continues into the future. Because I have friends who are still don't know how to move, and it's a mess for them at that, even at that age. So yeah, to correct that much later. Is, mm -hmm. Yeah, is once you get into cool. the bad habits, then you're in trouble. Yeah. So I can see why it would be important to start from a young child. Um, how difficult is it 
working with young kids. As an example, you know, Mark had talked about our daughter who's a disaster on the ice. I take her to gymnastics once a week. And I originally put her in this gymnastics program because I was noticing problems with her movement. I noticed, you know, one of her feet pronated a lot. She didn't have great balance. She wasn't super coordinated. And the gymnastics has been doing amazing things for her in terms of um, her balance, her confidence, her, her movement. But I notice when her coach is trying to get her to do certain things and not just her, all of the other kids, because they're so young, like they don't have any body awareness. Do you find it really difficult to make a child understand how to like move their shoulder back or do something with their ankle? Or is it that athletes just are different beings altogether? I think athletes are different beings. I think it's, it depends on the, on the, on the kid we're dealing with. Our biggest issues are the rounded back and the shoulders, usually kids who don't know how to hinge properly. Some kids get it right away and we don't have to teach them. Others you really need to focus on. And those are the ones that are the most important because once they learn that, and once you explain to them why they're doing it, they understand it more. So we have a lot of mirrors around the gym so they can see where they're moving from the front, where they're moving from the side to show them the correct movement. And then sometimes if they really don't get it, we'll film them and be like, this is what you guys look like right now. And then this is what we need. It's it's critical and it takes a lot of patience, but you need to help them in the long run, or we do. That's what Mm -hmm. our goal is. I'm always very shocked at how many children do have rounded backs. Like when I have kids who clients and they get on the table and they're all like this. Like I thought that was something that developed. I, I just, I don't know, I guess since being a massage therapist, I'm realizing that that is something that's not strictly just with adults. Like I have all these little kids who have very rounded backs. It comes from a lot of different things. They're always, like you said from before, they're not aware of their bodies yet. Mm -hmm. So if you sit down and your shoulders are just leaning forward, they have no clue what they're doing with that. It Mm -hmm. takes takes time to be aware of having the correct posture when you're sitting or when you're doing something. For a hockey player especially, they're always bent over. That puts more stress on their hips, puts their shoulders forward because their stick's always forward. So for us, we need to especially focus on the whole posterior side of them and make sure it's moving properly before we do anything big. So your business partner, Other Dave, he's a kinesiologist? He's in his third year at U of T in the kinesiology program and he's a certified CanFit pro trainer as well. So is he the guy that does majority of the training or do you guys share that responsibility? We share the responsibility. He builds most of the programs. My experience, I've gone to many gyms and I've been injured enough times that I've spoken to my athletic trainers and chiropractors that I've learned enough about the body to help these kids out. So we share that, but he knows the basis of structuring the full summer program and how the progressions work. And you guys, like you said, you're working with the Hockey Academy. Do you guys communicate regularly? Are you like going to be your own separate entity just under their umbrella? We talk to Neil every week, sometimes almost every day. Uh, For now, since we just started, we're partners with him. Future, we're not too sure what's going to happen. But for the time being, we just want to work with him and the clients that he has and that we've brought in as well to help keep growing as best we can. You're very quiet over there, but you're the the athletic guy. What's What's the type of clientele that you see? Are you seeing mostly kids that are already competitively playing? Are you seeing mostly kids that want to competitively play or like yeah give us the idea of like what the ideal clientele is or what it is now and then what the ideal would be for you guys our our main base is is com- already competitive players okay they already play at a pretty high level for their age we got some some at lower levels but they want to train they're doing this not just for fun they're doing it because they want to progress in their hockey careers who's pushing them more to come in is this is this a parent thing is this a coach thing is this a uh is this a kid thing that i i don't know i know the kid kids like coming in but at the end of the day whether it's the parent or the coach the kid needs to want to do it in order in order to see any results i'm sure there's some kids that might not want to do it for the most part kids come in and they love it they get to work right away athleticism is definitely innate like you said you were just sort of always good at skating it was it came very naturally to you and like anything if you love it you're going to want to do it i can imagine there would be some kids like you said your less intense program you still have to be in three times a week like that's still intense three days a week is a lot for a kid but that's the less intense program. Athletes don't mind training for their sport every single day, right? It's 100%. just what they do. I'm so far from that world. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about the, the dry land training. What is what is a, what does that look like? I'll talk about our biggest program. For the first month, it's split into uh, four days. So each day has its own its own type of workout. So for this month, we did a lower body strength day, an upper body strength day, plyometric, and core day. 
and then a speed agility balance day. What does like a strength day look like for, you know, a, a youth athlete? So when they come in, each athlete has a mobility they have to do based on the screen that we talked about before. It'll help work on their weaknesses. They get their dynamic warm-up in and then they each have a sheet when they come in. So there's all, all their folders are on the wall. They grab a pen, they grab a clipboard and their sheet. So they see what they have to do. They fill in their own workout numbers. But to get started for a lower body day, we start them off with a squat pattern. Our most basic is like a standard goblet squat for kids that don't really move too well. And then our, our top guys that have good patterns, they do a back squat. We move into a hinge pattern a lunge and then they do band work everyone does band work because they need to strengthen the little muscles and the hips and all that because that's for hockey players and from what i've learned that's what causes all the injuries so anyone listening they're like these guys are training kids with like resistance there's there's no like heavy lifting and stuff going on it's mostly band work mostly body weight stuff or is there is there external resistance beyond bands that are in the mix we use weights we use it within within reason for the kids their first week if if they could handle it they were lifting no more than five, 10 pounds, nothing crazy. And we, we monitor them closely to make sure that their bodies are moving properly. So if we ever saw a kid pick up a weight and his back starts rounding, we say, no, you got to put that down, switch it up. But the kids have been progressing pretty well. So some of them are getting up there and some of them are also 12, 13, and they've grown into their bodies pretty well. So they're, uh, they're already moving and getting the heavier weights going. Nothing crazy. Nothing, yeah. No one's putting 200 pounds on their back. But <laughs> <laughs> So eventually, like how, how big do you see this becoming? Do you guys intend to be like a one facility training gym strictly for, you know, kids maybe who go to CHA or are you looking to expand beyond this? I know this is a relatively new business for you, but where do you see it going? I think down the road, we definitely want to expand this. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but in Toronto, the market for hockey training is so concentrated and it's huge. But they just, it just depends on the locations. Like from when I was 13 until until I was 21, I've gone to about four or five different hockey training gyms. So being that it's so concentrated, I know you said where you are, like in more downtown Toronto, there's not a lot. Being that it is so concentrated, why do this? Are you going to have a ton of competition? I do it because I enjoy, I want to help these kids who are growing up because hockey was competitive when I was younger and it's even more competitive now because the training that these kids have available now wasn't available when I was younger. So if you're one kid doing this, you got to think of the other kids doing this plus more. So some kids might be working out, doing private sessions with another guy, doing morning power skating with another guy. It's it's an investment and some parents are crazy to be completely honest, but if it's going to get them to the next level, that's what they want to see in their kid. It's it's insane. That's a serious commitment for parents too. What's the craziest parent you ever had to deal with? <laughs> oh man. You don't have to use names, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm curious. I haven't had a crazy one yet. Yeah. They've actually been pretty good. Everyone, everyone communicates well. Usually the crazier parents are seen if you're coaching a hockey team. If you ever go to a kid's game nowadays, they have, they bring cowbells. They're screaming at the kids. Like the kid's nine years old. Like the parents bring cowbells to oh, the yeah. game? At our rink, the gym's there and then the rink's there. Our door's open. You'll hear cowbells going off and it's a, a like an eight-year-old's hockey game. The parents <laughs> are nuts, but it's okay. They love it. And, oh my God, I'm crying. But yeah, I mean, obviously there's got to be some people like that. I mean, professional hockey players probably came from the crazy parents with the cowbells. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes and no. Some also came from the parents that didn't say anything. It all depends. So I'm in, I'm in my first year in minor pro and my dad didn't really yell. He would, he would yell sometimes, but as I got older, he would stand in the corner of the rink and just watch when other parents are screaming at the refs and yelling at their kids and yet the refs aren't going to do anything. And if a kid has to look up at their parent after every time they get off the ice for approval, mm. there's a huge problem. Mm -hmm. Do you think that helps the kids? Like parents that are overly involved in the kids' training to that point where they're screaming or bringing cowbells, do you think that's helping the kids or the exact opposite and maybe hindering them in their training and what the coaches are trying to do for them? I think it can go both ways depending on, on the way the kid looks at it. One, one big thing in hockey is that some parents have put so much pressure on their kids at a young age that they grow up to hate the game. Mm -hmm. I had a friend who... We would go play hockey on the weekends at like an outdoor rink and his dad would make his like little brother do laps and he was 10 years old. It's like, let him have fun. It's a, it's a winter day and you're bringing him to an outdoor rink where everyone's just having fun and messing around and he's, 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 he's power skating. Mm. So you can grow up to hate the game depending on the way you were raised through it. My parents let me enjoy it. They've always given me the choice to quit if I wanted, to keep going if I wanted. So I still love it. When I quit, I know it's on my own terms. I don't know much about hockey, but I imagine that a pro athlete is built from a young age, mm -hmm. but I don't know enough about hockey. I don't imagine that someone that excels in hockey that starts late in life. I think that's like with almost anything though. Mm. It's when I say that, obviously there's Sports, exceptions, yes. but 
any time that there's somebody that's super successful at anything, even going beyond sports, even musicians, any kind of like songwriters, anything, they always say that this was something they enjoyed from young and that they had exposure from young. They learned how to either play an instrument, read music, something from a very young age. I think this is something that you just kind of fall into because you were meant to do it. I mean, when you get to that pro level. I think it's just discipline as you grow up. You yeah, just, you can't really can't really be a passenger is yeah. the way I like well, to say cause, it. Because sports are, are different when you're a kid. So, for example, if you're if you're a musician, if you're a musician kid, you can lock yourself in your bedroom and play your guitar all day long if you want. Mm-hmm. You can sit at the piano and just play till you're blue in the face, right? But if I'm a kid and uh, I'm involved in hockey, I'm not walking to the fucking arena when I'm seven with my gear. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so you, you have your, your your folks are there either pushing you along the way or just going with what you want. And I, I think, I don't know, maybe it's just something I feel like. I, I feel a lot of them are just kind of pushing their kids. Pushing, not, not Again, not that it's a, a bad thing at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, Serena and Venus Williams came out of being pushed by their dad as their coach for the mm-hmm. long his time right what do i know though i have a podcast (laughs) (laughs) it all it all depends especially when you're young like i remember when i was growing up all the practices for these kids are in the morning yeah so it would be a sunday morning and i would be standing right in front of my door and i'd have to put all my hockey gear on except my skates to go to the rink i didn't even realize how cold it was what time it was i would just get ready and go skate and you go home but as a kid there these kids do so many things to me, it's actually crazy. A kid would come to the gym. They got baseball practice after. They got hockey practice the next morning at 6.30. They got lacrosse. Like these parents put them in a million different sports mm-hmm. and they just get so tired that they don't know They don't know up from down. Why do you think parents put their kids in so many sports? Do you think if you're a fanatical parent like that, you're just kind of hoping that mm, maybe we'll strike gold on this one and maybe this kid will go far and go far might even just mean uh, it gets a scholarship to yeah. university or college in the States or whatever the case has an opportunity to advance in either some sort of amateur or pro level or whatever the case is. I think that's definitely a motivation for some parents. It's a trend recently. And when I say recently, I mean like my generation of parents. It's a trend to overschedule your kids. And I see it becoming sort of a dangerous trend. Like people are going a little bit too crazy, I think, with all of the extracurriculars. I think one of the motivations might be my kid's going to be good at something. I think another motivation is um, this weird underlying competition that exists with parents like oh well my kid does ballet and my kid does gymnastics and my kid plays hockey and there's it's almost like a a sense of like shame if your kid isn't in like a whole bunch of different activities or it's either they've got to be in a whole bunch of things so they're very uh, well-rounded or they've got to be really really good at something so if you're the parent of the kid that hasn't shown that they're going to excel in hockey or they're going to excel in playing piano then you put them in a whole bunch of different things because you want to make sure that you're raising this well-rounded kid who is going to have some sort of skills outside of what they're going to learn in our wonderful public education system. I think there's one more to that. The one that I know, or sorry, there's two. For me, it was my parents put me in different things so I could figure out what I like. And the other one, which is unfortunate nowadays, is to keep them off the couch and off the off the video games. Yes. I know parents that bring their kids in because they don't it's an extra hour or so off stupid Fortnite. I, I was just gonna such, say Fortnite. <laughs> oh, I was addicted to that video game in college, but then I realized how, what a waste of time it was. <laughs> and but I was twenty three playing it at night with no other obligations. When a twelve year old is playing a video game during the day, melting their brain, that mm-hmm. it, the game accomplishes nothing. But besides the point, they like it and you have to find a way to get them off the couch and if sending them to read different sports in a week is, is the case and so be it. But. That is that is somewhat my motivation. So I am definitely fearful of overscheduling my kids. Like for example, this coming fall, my oldest daughter, she's going to be in swimming because swimming is non-negotiable for both of my kids. I think you need to learn how to swim. I did it. So she's still going to be in swimming. That's only once a week though. Um, she's going to be starting piano. Um, her choice, she's very much into music. She's interested in music. Father's a musician. Kind of makes sense. She is still wants to continue skating. So she's going to be doing skating. She's horrible at it. (laughs) But you know what? If she likes it, I am not coming to your, she's not, yeah, she's not coming to you. But But if she is interested in skating, I would never say don't do it. You know, I'm happy that it's something she likes. And 
the reason I started saying all this is because exactly as you said, I I enjoy taking her to activities to know that she's doing something other than saying like, hey, can I watch Peppa Pig on Netflix? I, I will put her in all of the things, but yeah, I'm, I definitely fear overscheduling her. So for example, she normally does gymnastics from September till June and she's been doing that since she was two. I'm now thinking I'm going to have to pull her out of something. Like she, she can't have so many activities in a week because then that's all she's going to be doing. So trying to figure out like the balance like during the summer she'll play soccer but then once the fall comes I'm like what do I do I can't take her out of swimming obviously piano is not going to be something we're not going to do and she wants to do skating so might have to pull her to gymnastics I don't know I think it's whatever she wants to do ask her that you have to she wants she wants to do all of it (laughs) (laughs) that's a different story then good for her yeah I don't know she's so she's so different than me when I was a kid I didn't want to do any of that shit (laughs) I didn't I didn't at all I excelled at sports I just had no interest in being involved in any organized anything yeah I did and I was my parents put me in I did ballet at some point I did gymnastics at some point I did figure skating as well and I very distinctly remember when I was in figure skating I was actually really good and I was the youngest in my class so I and I mean significantly younger I was probably eight or nine and I would say the class was mostly like 11 and 12 so um, I was getting picked on in the class like not Mm -hmm. badly but you know I was getting picked on for being the little one and I remember just going to my mom and saying like I don't want to skate anymore no questions asked she let me quit because she was also that type of parent like if you want it cool if you don't you don't have to and there is a part of me that wishes she had probed a little bit more like why don't you want to do it because I didn't dislike the skating Mm -hmm. I disliked the other kids Uh, so then I I always think like would I have been a better skater if she (laughs) didn't let me just drop out when I was eight or nine years old maybe yeah it depends Sometimes kids need a bit more motivation, but mm-hmm. others, it's it's on them. I guess there's a fine line between being the pushy parent or the supportive parent, right? Like you want to, if your kids sign up for something, yeah, there's going to be times where it's hard or maybe they don't want to go to this practice or do this workout. But if you know, ultimately they want to play hockey, you're going to keep pushing them a little bit. And then there's, you know, like I said, the fine line where maybe they really are not interested anymore and you're just trying to live out your dreams through them. Yeah, I'm not a parent yet, but I feel like some parents definitely, definitely do that. When you you mentioned the practice thing, some kids, you're right, they don't like going to those early morning practices, but if they ever want to play the sport down the road, they're going to have to learn. And that's that's where like the discipline comes in because there's times I, I didn't want to go to practice six in the morning in the middle of winter. No way. I'd rather sleep in, just not go, but you have to because it's part of it. It's part of like being an athlete and knowing that you have to do some things you don't like in order to get where you want to be. It's a good lesson for kids too, right? Like I know Mark constantly, uh, when our younger or our older daughter doesn't want to do something, Mark will just say to her, rolling stones, baby, can't always get what you want. (laughs) (laughs) She knows what that means now if she's Mm -hmm. not getting her way and he'll just say to her, rolling stones, baby. And she stops because yeah, there's sometimes you got to do stuff you don't like to get where you ultimately want to be. And that's why it's really important for parents and coaches, I guess, to make sure, is this a kid who ultimately wants to be an athlete and wants to play hockey? Or are we pushing somebody and they don't they don't want to be here, right? No, for sure. Can you spot a kid and say like, this kid's going to go far? Or is it always just like, you never really know because uh... of the age group that you're with? Or can you look at this kid who's like nine years old and say, you know what, if I can put money on this kid to go somewhere in this in this field, I would do it. There's a, there's a yes and no to that side. Because from, from me growing up, there was always some kids that they were really good and then they stopped growing. Mm. So once puberty hits and the growth spurts hit, all these kids around them are getting bigger. They're not. They kind of lose lose the attraction and attention. Right, right. But you can you can tell from a kid's motivation where they want to be. The friends or the people that I know that are in the NHL or at high level pro, they just didn't quit. Like they never they never stopped what they were doing. Crazy hard to get there. But I know others who were known as the best players when they were 16, 17, and they couldn't really crack it when they were getting to like the more competitive levels and they sort of fizzled out. So it all it all depends. But Connor Brown, the guy in the Leafs, I don't know if you know him. He's uh, he's my age. He's 24. When we were growing up, he was allegedly one of the worst players on his AAA team. Finally got a chance. He never stopped working hard. He hit a late growth spurt and he got his chance. And then he finally made it to the NHL. He was one of the last, like one of the lower round draft picks. It's, it's It was crazy to see how him, of all people in the league, 
that you thought were better than him didn't make it because he just kept pushing. So I don't know anything about hockey. Tell me the road it takes to to get to the NHL because I assume the NHL is the ultimate goal, mm-hmm. right? So versus like NBA and basketball, really the feed into that the majority of the time is the U.S. education college system, mm-hmm. right? How does it work for hockey? Because I don't know. As you grow up, you play in like call it rep hockey, like double A, triple A, all that. Once you turn 16, there's something, it's the OHL draft, okay. which is the major junior leagues in Canada. Once you get drafted there, it's teams all around Ontario, some in the US. You play there for a few years. This is like the highest level of junior you can play. Okay. Once you turn 18, it's the NHL draft. Now the top kids have a choice of going to either the OHL or if they get recruited to go play in the US Division One schools. That's become more popular for NHL teams to look at lately. Oh yeah? Okay. So once you're finished in the OHL or once you're finished in college, there's about five pro leagues you can go to in the U.S. NHL being the highest and there's four below that. It's like, it's just a ladder that you have to battle to try and climb up. Gotcha. So that's one way. And then there's so many leagues in Europe I can't even count. Yeah, yeah. It just, it all depends where you want to go and what you want your future to be. Not everyone's going to make to the NHL but you can make a more than decent living playing in Europe in the top leagues. Interesting. Hockey's fa- fascinates me that way. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, and I'm not a huge sports guy, but just because the, the path to get there just seems so, it seems like there's so many potential options or roads versus something, like I said, like like NBA basketball or or football, where it's, it's one path, right? It's one path. Mm-hmm. It's you go to you go to university. Typically, you're you're one of the better players in your high school. You go to university on a scholarship. You play uh, you play college ball, and then if you get drafted, then great. And if if not, then oh well. I know I never really understood it, but I didn't expect to understand it. I'm not of that world at all. I don't really follow hockey, but I have like multiple guys that I went to high school with that I was really good friends with that all play hockey for a living. I have no idea where they play, what they do, but that is their job. I'm like, cool, cool, cool. Depends where you are. I mean, the NHL, obviously you get paid millions. Mm -hmm. The league below that, they pay you around, I'd say 40,000 to 100K at the higher levels. And then once you get to like the actual minors, you can get anywhere from 500 to below 80 bucks a week. But your housing mostly paid for all that stuff. So it's for people that love it, you can keep doing it even with like a, maybe a little side job. And sometimes it's just so hard to quit because they always think, oh, next year could be my year. I can get mm-hmm. that call up or next year. This is going to happen. But it's it's so hard to do. Yeah, Pretty cool to think like, because you know, when you watch like movies and TV shows and the parents talking to their like teenage kids who are super obsessed with something like hockey and it's like, come on, like focus, you got to go to school, you got to get a real job. Hockey could be your real job. You're right. But then on the other end of that, loving hockey that much and not really worrying about what your parents say could be another path. Like I, I started school with like, I did, I did the business path. Thought mm-hmm. that's what I wanted to do. I hated it. Like absolutely hated it. I hated sitting at a desk and going to work every day in a suit around certain types of business people that I didn't really like. So after like coming up with the uh, CHI performance, I figured like, this is what I love and it pairs with hockey. Hockey can teach you to do something more. And I learned that I maybe could be somewhere higher if I had better training or knew something I knew now that I didn't know back in the past. Combining business and hockey. Smart. So anything else you'd want people to know about CHA high performance? The biggest thing for us that we want people to know about about our gym is that we care about every single kid. It's not just you come in and do your workout like a robot. Like we want to focus on you to make you better every day. That's one of our that's one of the quotes on our wall right now. It says, what did you do to get better today? Or if you didn't do anything to get better today, you better keep going before you go to sleep. It's just something we want to focus on because kids really learn by by doing things that help progress them. And if they set a goal every week to maybe lift more weights here, or run faster here, it'll really help them. And when we customize our programs for them, I think it shows not only them, but also the parents that we truly care about them. And it's not just a cookie cutter plan to help make us money. Is there a lot of money to be made in this? Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is one of those sports where people dish out tons of dough. Yeah, right? more, than, oh, you could, more sure. than you can even imagine. No, I'm totally okay with not being a hockey mom. The, the time commitment, the money commitment, like that's what you're saying. There's some hockey parents that are crazy because you, it's as much of a commitment for the parents as it is for the kids sometimes. A hockey stick itself costs $250. Yeah, it's such an expensive fucking sports play. Prices have just kept going up. The best sticks used to be 200 now they're over 300 It's just the way things keep growing. Skates now, you can $1,000. You don't have to try them on some of them. 
They're, they have technology where you take an iPad and they just put it around your foot to get a picture of what your foot looks like. And they build your skates. You don't even try them on Stop before you get it. them. Yeah. You have like custom made skates. Well, I mean, but people can, you can get yeah. custom made skates with just using an iPad. Oh, it's a brand. They're called, it's, they're called True Hockey. Are there poor people that play hockey? It seems like an elitist sport. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, are long gone the stories of, I played on the pond, you know, oh. <laughs> on the farm and, and I put in many hours and that's that's that was my perseverance and that's where I learned my skill like I that's that doesn't exist anymore it does in much smaller amounts yeah. I mean there's a lot of foundations that donate hockey equipment to lesser mm-hmm. families but it's definitely a sport you need money yeah unlike soccer you don't even need a pair of shoes to play soccer you just need yeah. some sort of a ball hockey you need literally everything I know this is gonna sound horrible but I don't mean it in a horrible way I used to say this all the time because I'm really into movement I'm really into athletics and I can recognize there's a certain socioeconomic status that goes along with certain sports and I always used to tell my uh, whoever I was teaching at that moment or some of the one-on-ones I do I'm like I can't wait for a black dude to get into figure skating and they're like what are you talking about i'm like because of the fast twitch muscle fibers and the ability to 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 jump and Mm -hmm. move i'm saying you put that motherfucker on skates a triple lutz ain't nothing right (laughs) once you figure out how to but but you know it comes down to sometimes socioeconomic status is this person going to ever have exposure to this sport are they going to be able to afford this sport so when you take a look at basketball i don't need much to play basketball Mm -hmm. i need a schoolyard that's got a fucking hoop and I need a buddy with a ball like that I don't need equipment soccer the same way right track and field same way I need a pair of shoes if even and I need to be able to just run in a fucking straight line there's certain sports that they're always going to be for the elite golf tennis you're you're looking at me like you you shouldn't have opened up that can no (laughs) it makes sense i i took a class on it and and it it is true to an extent like factually costs less money to play soccer than put your kid in hockey yeah so if you already are you know in that demographic a lower socioeconomic status then yeah you're probably not going to be a hockey player i mean even the kids that are on the lower socioeconomic end they still have the chances to play like yeah and like you said there's like foundations and stuff doesn't even like tim horton send kids to i think it might be soccer but like i just mean there's places that like collect donations to allow kids to play sports that maybe wouldn't otherwise be able to play. Oh, they're everywhere. Yeah. Even myself, I I have tons of old hockey gear that I'll donate to those organizations so kids Mm -hmm. can have it to play because at the end of the day, everyone should have a chance to play. There's mm-hmm. no reason not to, especially because hockey's it's Canada sport. Everyone plays it. It's like the whole Canadian Canadian thing. And if a kid can't play because of money, it's not really, in my opinion, it's not really fair. So as long as they can get that chance, and then if they are proven to be good, some people can sponsor them to help them out or even get them through without maybe not paying so much. And and then once you make it through that little area, and once you get to a certain age, people pay for your equipment. So once I got to the junior level when I was 19 years old, I didn't mm-hmm. have to pay for my equipment anymore. Your team covers it. Your team right. covers your travel and all that. So then it's a non-issue. But it's getting through that minor hockey stage, which there's help. Coaches can help. The leagues can help. So I think there's potential, even though it is considered a little more expensive. expensive yeah. Sport. And it's it's knowing how to access uh, these funds, right? Like you said, if somebody notices you and notices that you're worth investing in, they will. But getting noticed is step one, right? Sport. It's weird. It's not weird. I think it's weird here. I think it's weird in Canada. I think Sport Canada doesn't really support athletes very much. But what do I know? Like I said, I got a podcast, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, well, realistically, to be an amateur athlete, to be an Olympic athlete in Canada, it's it's super fucking difficult because you don't have tons of support funding support so at some point you still got to keep your job you still got to do all your training you still got to travel and do everything else at the end of you doing all of that as an individual it takes away from your ability to train and therefore excel and then you wonder why our canadian olympic teams don't come home with tons of gold in summer games do you know what i mean things like that fun fact i lived with an olympic athlete when i was in university right she she struggled and she struggled she struggled financially she would be well yeah i mean she lived with me i think i was paying less than 400 bucks a month in rent i lived in a house with five bedrooms so there was five of us paying yeah like 350 375 a month in rent and she subletted one of the rooms and she would be getting up at, I don't know, 4, 4.30 to go for her first workout of the day at the on campus at the gym. Right. I'd be, you know, getting home. We'd pass each other. Hey, how's it going? And uh, yeah, she's 
she struggled. Training of which she probably funded herself. Yeah, probably. Another country doesn't work like that. Depends on where the priority is, I think. For the teams like in Canada, I guess hockey. And anyways, the big Olympic ones that Canada is really well known for, those ones I feel are more funded. But you put other ones like Canadian soccer, yeah. no one, you don't even hear of it. No one really focuses on it. Yeah, that's true. Soccer is not important to most Canadians, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't even, and, and yet all of us put our kids in soccer in the summer because it's not an expensive sport. Exactly. There's a lot of factors of sport, but we could have a whole discussion on sociology and sports, psychology and sport. We're yeah, come back to that. We're going <laughs> to wrap sociology and sport. I did take sociology and sport classes. I do have a kinesiology degree. We can have a lot to talk about. I had the greatest uh, sociology and sport teacher. He was in the news for plagiarizing a whole bunch of stuff. And this was years ago. He was all over the fucking news because he used to write. I can't remember for either magazines or articles for papers or whatever the case is and he got caught plagiarizing a whole bunch of shit. Um, but he was teaching sociology sport at, at York University. He was also like the principal of like a middle school. Like he was a good guy. But anyway, he got totally ripped on that. But uh, I remember going to his class. It was awesome because it, it was nothing but talk about shit. So he'd walk in, literally throw up his feet on the desk and say, I think basketball is like modern day slavery. Let's talk about it, and that and, and they, an hour go by of just debate about it. It was it was really interesting. Wow, I had a yeah. professor like that for. I took a few classes well, with him. Wrong, but... Ethics uh, in sport was one of them that I remember, and he was very similar. He'd purposely come in and say something just like outlandish and get people angry, and a debate would start, and he'd really just sit there and listen to it, and maybe throw a few comments in here and there, and the entire hour would go by, and people would just be heated. When they left the room. Loved that guy. Pretty certain he was an alcoholic, but I learned a lot from him. It's such a a weird thing because from from people that don't care about sport, they don't realize how much of a microcosm it is for the world and societies and and human behavior. And they 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 just see it as oh, a bunch of dumb jocks running around doing stuff, right? It's so much deeper than that on 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 that level. And that's not even including the physical side of it. But yeah. Mental is like almost one of the biggest things, especially as kids get older. Like I wake up and I think, okay, what do I have to do for sport today? If I was at college or I have practice right away, how does my body feel before even getting up? Like how my back hurts. How is this going to affect me when I skate later? It's like a constant, constant thing that you always think about. Have you guys ever thought about also maybe including a, a sports psychologist into your team? We have. Oh yeah, you have one? Yeah. Oh, no, we don't have one. We, okay. uh, you thought about had it? had one who's reached out. It's maybe a later later summer thought. Since we just started, we haven't really gotten into it yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I what was not worried about, but maybe thought about reluctantly, was how would a nine-year-old who can barely focus on something for X amount of time, how would they respond to a sports psychologist? But if they do respond well, how would that go? I'm not too, I'm not too familiar with that field, but I think it'd be something interesting. Yeah. I've never spoken to one, but... We had someone on. I know she, her, the title she was using was a mental performance coach, but I'm pretty sure she was a sports psychologist. Well, she studied sports psychology anyway. Yeah. Um, what you just said, you don't know how a nine-year-old would respond. A sports psychologist would know how to speak to a nine-year-old athlete, you know? And I think that just as you said, starting the training this way and starting movement patterns the proper way so young, I think it's just as important to have the sports psychologist there right from young because we, what we just talked about even, the the pressure that can be put on a young athlete. You know, does a nine-year-old even know what their emotions mean and what the frustration and stress is caused by? Do they have any idea? Or are they just getting up every day and going through the motions and doing the training because mom and coach say so? And all of that will affect performance. Like when I had mm-hmm. her on, she was pretty much saying a, a big part of what an athlete goes through, like we said, is is in their mind. I played a game yesterday and I played fucking awesome. And I played today and I suck shit. Like, what changed between yesterday and today? Like, where are my skills any different 16 hours later? Do I have suddenly different physical capabilities that I had 16 hours ago? Like, what's changed? Mm-hmm. And she was like, the majority of the time, the only thing that's changed is the shit that lies between your ears. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you can start to sort that stuff out, then it makes the training go smoother. It makes the performance go smoother. Well, I have a client who um, really opened my eyes to something is that um, mental illness, like mental health issues are actually really, really huge in um, 
like university and college level athletes mm-hmm. because they don't really feel like they have many people to talk to. You don't want to go to your coach because you don't want to per- be perceived as weak. You can't talk to some of the other players for the same reason. You, do, If you're on a team sport, and, you don't want to be perceived as weak. And there's so much competition between team players. Exactly. You so can't. she actually started something at her school. We should have her on actually to continue this conversation, but she started something at her school where she was leading, I can't remember what it was called, but she had a whole bunch of athletes from different sports teams and they sort of formed this like sports psychology like group where they would um, one of the athletes from a different team would be the person for another team to speak to if that makes sense so like yeah. mm-hmm. she was a hockey player and maybe she would be sort of the person to talk to if you were on the volleyball team you know, if you didn't feel like you had anyone to talk to, you could uh, come talk. So it was like okay. a peer mentorship sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But it was because there were so many mental health issues amongst all of these athletes, but they didn't know where to go kind of thing. So I thought that yes. was really interesting. I, I played four years of college hockey, and I, I honestly understand exactly where that comes from. Because if you're a college athlete and things aren't going well for you in your sport, you become miserable. Mm-hmm. Because you go to that school with the sole reason of playing that sport. And if you're not doing well there or if it's not going how you want, what do you have left? Just yeah. your school. The competition there, I don't know from other sports standpoints, but from hockey, they're your best friends off the ice. But when you get on the ice, they don't care if you get hurt or if you do bad at practice because it means they get to take your spot. Exactly. So mm-hmm. we have, we actually, we well, we focus on mainly younger kids. We have some college guys that are coming in once they're done school and some like more middle-aged kids too, like 14, 15. It'd be interesting to see how, how they think like directly on on the to- on the topic of sports psychology and how events like that maybe cause them to react differently like that 16 hour time frame we'd play weekend games back to back i you're right i'd have a great game one night play awful the next one yeah and it's not because of skill. Yeah, you didn't get worse overnight. No, you can't. It, it doesn't happen. If anything, yeah. you got better because you're, you're on the ice more. Yeah, the mental game is definitely huge for kids. And that's a big separation of who makes it to the top levels and who doesn't. Yeah, yeah. What's the what's the oldest youth athlete you work with? Uh, would you classify 15 as youth? Yeah. 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 His name's his name's uh, Ty Nelson. He's projected already to go as he's one of the bigger, bigger name prospects in his age. Mm. So yeah, for kids, these scouting places, they label these kids already as like a, a prospect list, not for the NHL, but for the junior level below. Such an interesting deal, man. I feel like I've learned a lot today since, as I said, hockey is something that although I have a lot of friends who play hockey, it's never been something that I was overly interested in. I mm-hmm. didn't play. Um, I don't even really watch hockey like how embarrassing when people listen to this that neither one of us said a word when he named like an athlete on our own city's team yeah (laughs) i don't watch hockey that much either oh no i'm not afraid to say it no that's interesting i have never really been a fan of an nhl team like i watch it because i enjoy watching like a good game but i don't watch it because the Leafs are playing i'll watch because i like how this team plays or how this team plays Mm -hmm. and people look at me like oh wow you don't like watch hockey i'm like it, I can't force myself to be a fan and pretend around other people. You're not, a, yeah, you're not a fan of a specific team, but if hockey's on, you'll pay attention because you understand everything that's going on on the ice. Yeah. I actually had a job when I was in university um, with our university hockey team. I went to Western mm-hmm. and I had to go to all of the home games and um, I was the person with the camera. Mm-hmm. So I guess for their training purposes. And it used to stress me the fuck out because I'm not a hockey player and I felt like I had to hyper focus and make sure that I wasn't missing things and that I was paying so close attention to the game. So I'd say those couple of years that I did that, maybe I got a little more into hockey because I had to. What do you like about watching? hockey i don't watch hockey either but i i kind of have my reasons why i don't watch hockey <laughs> what do you like about watching hockey i know uh, it's so weird because you, you're hockey but no it's uh, i like watching how the top players like make decisions okay so that's also as you get to higher levels the biggest thing that separates guys from making it to the nhl or being stuck in the minors is the way they think the game right mm-hmm. so looking at it when someone maybe makes a bad pass you think oh how do you do that you have to understand like how fast they're moving yeah. how many six foot tall 200 pound guys are trying to crush them and i guess the situation on the ice mm-hmm. so when i can see someone make a really smart decision that's what i like to watch in hockey that is interesting based on your reason for disliking hockey i'm not the only one who, who but i don't like i don't know enough 
about hockey to watch it and understand and that. see that yeah right uh, where I yeah. can watch baseball and watch and understand that right what I don't and it's because I don't know enough about hockey I've never really been exposed to hockey when I watch on the TV it looks way too chaotic for me it looks like there's so much random possible chance and things and I might be completely wrong I probably fucking am well I mean wrong. based on what he said you are completely wrong this is a debate him and I've no, been no, having no, for no, 10 years no, we're talking about we're talking about the ability for a top player to make optimal decisions quick time because that's what that's what right i guess i just took that as to be it's a little less random than i think no but but that's what the way i took that is the ability to adjust to semi-random scenarios and make good decisions out of those versus for example football right football is play versus play what my defense is going to do against your offense and there's yeah there's there's minor bits of randomness but for the most part is can my defense go against your offense and do a better job here and that's what this play is about I, I can my defense go against your offense can my offense go against your defense and do a better job here to me it's just me i don't know nothing to me hockey and yes, I understand there's strategy in hockey, but it's also there's so many variables that can lead to randomness that it's the ability to pick up on the randomness and then make something structured happen out of random. I don't know. I, I, I still think it that it's I still think that it is offense versus defense and there's still plays that are being carried yes, out. I agree with and when you. you get to that super high level, the the amount of variance and randomness definitely decreases because yes, being that you're on ice, there's going to be some randomness with like kids or, you know, people who are maybe just learning to play. When you get to that super high level, it's not as random. It can't be. It's it's not random at all. I mean, there's obviously some plays that you have to get creative, but Yes, yeah. When you're when you're doing a practice and I mean for kids it's a little more chaotic like you mm. said they aren't learning called systems like when yeah. football you said they're all lined up it's set like that in hockey but everyone's moving so when you're in your defensive zone you have a, a way to leave that zone yeah when you're entering the offensive zone you have a way to do that yeah when you have to take a face off there's set plays that guys know they got to move this way and that way yep. the thing is what makes a good hockey player and the best guys in the nhl they can when they're skating full speed they can see everyone on the ice see where their guys are and know what play to make know the right pass to make or if they're going to shoot or if they're going to cut to the middle or do whatever that's the difference it's making mm-hmm. the plays at high speeds and being able to see everything so it is very strategic but you've got to really be able to think quick yes well i'm exactly. not debating the strategicness of it i i think my thing was more that there are there are so many working variables that create a certain amount of uh, of opportunities that come by chance versus opportunities that come strictly from strategy. Yeah, that, that makes sense because right? you can have a bouncing puck. You can have a guy who's way faster than someone else that changes the entire play. Exactly. A hit that knocks the guy off his feet. There's a lot of changes, but at the same time, you have to just understand how your position works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you understand like the, how there's like left wingers and centermen. So wingers versus centermen have different roles. Yep. Yeah. Depending on the defenseman have different roles. The goalie has their own role. Sometimes goalies are involved in plays too. It just depends on how well you're able to understand your position Mm -hmm. and see the ice and move to that correct position at the right time. This is why I was never able to play basketball. I never knew enough about basketball. I always felt I never knew where to be. Do you know, do you know lacrosse at all? No. I played lacrosse maybe four times in high school. Lacrosse and basketball, I feel, are like kind of similar. It's almost like a man-on-man situation for the most part. But hockey's hockey's not so much like that. Mm-hmm. It's wherever you are. You could, a forward can be covering a defenseman if a defenseman decides to take the puck all the way down the ice. Gotcha. Or, right. But yeah. Okay, so I'm seeing the randomness now. I get it. This seriously has been a debate with us for like 10 years because I didn't quite understand what he was saying. But listening to like this triangle conversation, now I, I understand it a little bit more. Or maybe I just didn't listen to you well enough before <laughs> that's what i feel like <laughs> is the case it can look like chaotic organization yes yeah. yes for yeah. someone who doesn't know it, for someone who i know because i kept it, saying yeah. no i'm like it's so strategic what are you talking about and yeah then, to me if you and it's just me it feels organized strategic but there's that extra amount of chaos in it that doesn't exist in other sports where other sports feel like it's a little bit more based on more more high percentage of strategy mm-hmm. and then that way you have to deal with less of the variables mm-hmm. right if that makes any kind of sense can't you see how fun it would be to watch sports with us because this is how we watch sports (laughs) because i'm not i'm not like how you don't follow a hockey team i don't follow sports i don't follow you know this athlete or this athlete Mm -hmm. or this team or this team but i'm way into movement i'm way into athletics i'm Mm -hmm. way into competition i'm into 
I'm into the ability to perform. Right. So I can watch any sport, but I don't look at it the same way a fan does. I look at it for the sport and performance. Yeah, that's, right? that's, that's how I do it too. I don't watch it for more. The way uh, a lot of people put it is be a student of the game. Yeah. A lot of like players watch NHL to get better so they know what they're doing. Because the skill level, everyone can pass a puck at high levels. Everyone can shoot. Everyone can skate for the most part. Yeah. When you learn to think, something that you can't really teach someone, that's when you start moving up. But yeah, if you know the sport, you know what's going on in the game. Yeah, yeah. Football, like I couldn't tell you anything about watching football. Yeah, I don't know anything about watching football. No, either, I'm... I don't know football. I've got a couple of friends who are like super into football and I'll and get in, is, I'll get invited to watch football games with them and I'm like you don't want me there. This is also what I like what I always wonder when when I see someone that's like oh I'm so into this cuz I know how I watch sports and I kind of have an understanding how you watch sports now, right? And I'm like do you watch sports the same way I watch sports? Like are you watching the same stuff that I'm I'm watching here? Like are you thinking these things that I'm thinking like this is what I cuz Amanda's got a cousin who's like way into football, and I'm like, does she, does she, does she watch football the same way I watch? I don't think so. I watch baseball, right? It's, or well, or she's like, like I, she's like diehard about one particular team, right? And she's got like players that she really likes. So like when she, football's on, she's glued to the TV. But yeah, you know, I don't know what she's watching. Like I want to know what she's watching. Well, I think fans watch differently. Actually, Easter Sunday, the Leaf game was on mm-hmm. at, at uh, my my cousin's house. My my uncles and cousins like they're saying, oh, do this. Oh, why didn't they do that? Me and my brother who play hockey. Were we're sitting there we understand what happened yeah. and they're questioning it but they don't really understand what was going on in the game yeah. so they don't really have a reason to get mad at that person to know yeah I get, they, they look at it more as fans and just want to see them score yeah, yeah versus yeah. understanding how to actually play it yeah. is it's interesting it, it, this reminded me of mariah carey <laughs> they have i know we're talking about sports right now but do you remember no. when mariah carey performed on new year's eve a few years ago and totally choked and fans went crazy and attacked her. And I I was sitting watching it with a musician who said none of that was her fault. There's so many other things that go on to go into the stage performance. All they're seeing is Mariah Carey stood there and choked and didn't think about the sound technicians who, you know, fucked up and all of these other things. So sitting there watching it with a musician, I was like, Oh, I just, I felt for her because it wasn't her fault. In that type of environment where it's so big and so loud, if you don't have your in-ear monitors and that your in-ear monitors are working properly, which is really relying on a tech to make sure that everything's done right, Mm -hmm. you're fucked. Mm -hmm. You can't, you don't hear a thing. Like you're on stage. Like, okay, so I I play music and I've played big, pretty pretty big shows before, pretty pretty big stages. If I'm on one side of the stage, if I don't have the solo... On the floor in front of you, there's a whole bunch of speakers that point towards you, right? That'll give you the sound for every other member of the band. <laughs> and you can kind of pick what's in your sa- what's in your sound setup and how loud things are. Or you can have in-ears. So essentially, they're earbuds that go in and that has a mix of everybody, right? If you don't have any of that shit in, like if those monitors are not on or you don't have in-ears, you hear nothing. I'll stand on stage and I'll hear my bass amp behind me. I will not hear vocals. I won't hear the drum which is right beside me there's no fucking chance i'm hearing the guitar or anything off a guitar amp that's like four feet that way you hear nothing Hmm. so mariah carey going up on stage and you can clearly see she's pointing at her ears like my in-ear monitors i got nothing she can't even tell you when the song is starting where her cue is when she's supposed to come in i had no idea she's completely well and this is the thing is watching as a fan they would have no idea. So she got attacked on social media after yeah, that for choking and, you know, you're, you sh- you're washed up now, stop performing, like horrible, horrible things. And I sat and watched it with Mark and the whole time he was saying, this is not her fault. She can't hear anything. Yeah. So then I just felt it's bad not, for her. And then what is she supposed to do? She can't just start singing out of nowhere. Band's already playing shit. What's she supposed to do? Yeah. So she sits there and she looks... Silly, and she like and then she got mad face and yeah. starts jumping around and starts just saying random nonsense, you know, because she can't just really walk off in that moment. It's it's a fucked up situation. Yeah. It's yeah. like it's like watching it's like watching boxing or UFC fighting at a bar with 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 people that don't know anything about the sport. Someone that's into fighting that knows fighting, they watch it completely different. Yeah, I just watch it and cringe. Sorry, not into UFC. I'll watch it. I won't go out of my way to watch it. But even even those guys, they have a specific way of doing things. Yeah, they know how to get out of this exactly. submission. Know when to exactly. kick or punch. But if I was watching, I just looked to see who's going to beat the shit out of somebody else first. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's true though. That's that's yeah. the fan side of me, not the 
the fighter. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Sports sports really fucking interesting. We should do a sport appreciation. I think we just did it. <laughs> well, you know what? We will do we will do more because I do enjoy talking about sports, even though not being an athlete, but being a therapist for so many years. And I have clients who are athletes. A lot of goalies, actually. I. I've treated are weird human beings. They, what makes them weird? <laughs> tell me, tell me, oh, tell I me what makes them weird. I don't know, but just give me like the five. You be- have to have screws loose to put yourself in front of a puck. I feel like that is like the same thing with football linemen. Like you have to be nuts. I don't know. Like, like, like I'm going to come back to goalies, but I just thought of this. It's like football players and everyone's shocked that football players uh, beat their wives, d- domestic abuse. I'm like, no, to me, that's not fucking, you should have expected that this big motherfucking dude. Dude gets paid and wants to willingly gets in the way of another large man and that's his job is to be fucking as physical as possible really and you think that only lasts on the field really you, you used football as the example we were just talking about like actual like cage fighters <laughs> For a living, they decide to go uh, give themselves cauliflower ears. I understand that. I understand that. But there isn't a massive influx of cage fighters that are known to domestically abuse their spouses. But yeah, I want to. I do want to go back to goalies because I've got more than one client. But yeah, who is? I've got a lot of goalies on my table. Hockey goalies. Hockey goalies. Yeah. I don't know. Everyone just knows that goalies are a different breed because if you put yourself in front of that that thing, and that's your that's your job that you like doing. It's so stressful. And just the way they do things, the way they warm up for games, the way that they just act in their daily lives is, it's just strange. One year in, in, in college, every goalie on my team drove stick, like manual. It, I don't know if it was a coincidence or if that's something they do, but they're always known as weird human beings. Every coach knows that. And if they're doing something weird and maybe not listening properly for a team meeting, the coach just kind of lets them be because they're their own. They're literally their own breed. You gotta be. Yeah. You're right. Like You to, have to be. To, to be like, yeah, just shoot a puck at me as hard as, hard as you can because I'm going to stop that yeah, motherfucker. I've gonna, been, I put my body in the way to stop that. It's, <laughs> it's nuts. I've been in like street hockey goalie taking a shot just as a joke. Not even hard. Then you step in an NHL game, you take a hundred mile per hour slap shot. I'd leave. I'd go home. <laughs> yeah, but, no, there's no amount <laughs> there's of no money that, guys. that uh, could justify standing in front of a puck. No, yeah. no. And all of the goalies that I do treat, they all have a lot of injuries, groin injuries. Yeah. Like all the time. It's uh, unnatural. I always go down to that butterfly where they kick their pads out. Yeah. But not only that, so not only stopping a puck, when you cover it, you got the entire other team coming to jab at you. That's true. Yeah. And try and take it from you. It's just, yeah, no. It's a no for me. Hard pass. <laughs> Interesting. I'm going to start watching hockey just for the hell of it then. I think we've talked about pretty much everything. I mean, we went a little off track from what you came in here for, but for anybody listening who's interested in getting their kids maybe into some off-season training, where can people find you? Do you guys have a website? Do you have social media pages? Uh, our Instagram at CHA High Performance. We uh, post stories daily on what kids are doing, share different posts, post highlights from the week. And then from there, you can find our website. You can contact us or myself. And while we focus on the youth, we're open to any age. So we start at nine. We can go all the way up to professional players, high school players. We even do other sports like baseball and soccer if need be, even nice. though we're just a hockey hockey brand. All right. Right on, right on. Thanks for coming by. This was Thanks fun. Thanks for having me. This is great. You guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. Peace.